You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Strange Familiars. You know what I'm going to ask, Allison. Mix it up a little bit. Um, how is your general demeanor this evening? Cautiously pessimistic. <laughs> so a day ending in what? <laughs> yeah. Caution and pessimism is... Uh, They're the twin flames of my life. <laughs> well, we've got a treat tonight. We'll be talking with Rob and Eamon from Monster Fuzz. You're quite stuck on them. It's one of my new favorite podcasts. I really, really enjoy it. They had me on, and I had a good time with them, so I started listening, and now I'm hooked. They're funny, which is, it's some nice levity in the in the world of things that go bump in the night. I quite like them, yes. I enjoy Monster Fuzz a great deal, and, you know, it's different from Strange Familiars, but I think our listeners will like it as well. We talk about Monster Fuzz, of course, a little bit, but then they share some personal stories of their own, featuring some strange and creepy stuff, including shadow people and a black dog. Where is the, the origin of the black dog stories? Is it in the, the British Isles, UK? You know, I mean, that's hard to say because they're in Europe too, Scandinavia. Everybody's got black dog stories, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everywhere there are dogs, I think there are black dog stories. Mainly Scandinavia, England, Ireland, Scotland, the U.S. has plenty, Canada, and South America has pretty healthy black dog folklore as well. So yeah, that's all over the place. I don't know the origins. I don't know who had them first, but we have them. Rob's black dog story is a little mm, nicer than some that say I, I really enjoyed it. It's, it's a fun story. We will get to them, but first we're going to continue High Strangeness in Helm with Dylan. And in this segment, he talks about something that he first thought was a bat flying around him, and then he realized it was not. The way he describes it should sound pretty familiar to Strange Familiars listeners. 
Again, Dylan wasn't a listener to the podcast before we talked, so he wasn't taking notes on things other people had described. So his description of this is very, very interesting. Let's go ahead and get right to it. One night I stepped on the deck. My same ritual, come out on the deck after 8.30, sit down on the, um, in my chair. But this night, before I could even sit down in my chair, I'm just sliding the glass door closed, I'm positioning myself to sit down in the chair, and I look from the sky, and I see what looked exactly like a bat. It looked exactly like a bat fluttering real quick down from the sky, down towards me, and then it sputters off to whatever direction. Now, back home in D.C., my aunt's neighbors had bats that lived in their um, chimney. Mm-hmm. And like clockwork, every night at 7.30, yeah. they would come out. Yeah. We would be out there. We would always be on the, in the back deck eating crabs or whatever. And you could count on them time. So I know what a bat looks like. And this thing looked exactly like that. It looked exactly like a bat. So I was kind of happy. I was like, wow, I've been out here all this time. Like, PA has bats. That's pretty cool. I'm like, that's all right. That's pretty cool. You know, PA has bats. So I sit down, and I, you know, I wait for the second pass. I figured it would come back. And um, it doesn't come from down from the sky. It comes from, like, my right. And it's probably maybe out about four or five feet out in front of me. It passes me, and the, 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 the image of it wasn't like it was when it came from the sky because that definitely looked exactly like a bat. But when this came past, it was kind of... A little bit smaller, but out of focus and moving so fast, and I wasn't able to get my eye on it because the night had already set. You know, we already, it's kind of dark now. Mm-hmm. I wasn't able to focus on it totally, so I just... You have any lights out back? I have a deck light, but I never turned it on. Never Because yeah, you I wanted mean, to see the sky. Yeah, I wanted to be seeing the sky. neighbors have lights on or just kind of ambient? They would always have them off. Tim just, would have his off. Oz would never have his off. Just kind of ambient the only light person, from the neighborhood. The you're, only you're, person that would have his light on was um, Brian. Brian would have his light on, and his neighbor on his side, when she was alive, she would have her light on. Sometimes, but not all the time. The only light that would that, that would be back there would come from the condos. Okay. Their parking lot. And it wasn't shining straight over there. Mm-hmm. And then we have a light by the mailbox on my street, and that doesn't shine directly Right, so it's just kind of ambient light, you're yep. back there. Yeah, nothing bright or anything. Yep. Second pass is probably out of about four or five, six feet in front of me passes, and I couldn't get a good look at it. But it went by, and I just assumed it was a bat. And it was out of focus from right to left goes. And so I'm like, okay, another 40 seconds. Then it comes from left to right. Gets a little closer. It's a little bit bigger. And by this time, I'm like, I don't think that's a bat. Goes to the right, from left to right. Then it comes again. No, another 45. It's like time periods in between these passes. Mm -hmm. So 45 seconds, say. Maybe 50 seconds it passes again, comes from the right again. And this time, if I'd have had my hand out, it went through my arm. It was that close. And when it went through, I was like, someone almost hit me. I was like, that was a football. I thought it was a football. So I was like, somebody's down in the tree line messing with me. Mm-hmm. I thought it was some kids or whatever messing with me. And somebody threw a football past my face trying to get my attention or just bothering me. So I went to the deck and put my hand on the, on the rail and I'm just about to hop over down to the ground where you saw where we were standing at. I was about to hop down there and run over to the tree line. But when I, as soon as I put my hand on the deck, I'm thinking, the deck's here. The deck's 
to my left. And that football should have been bouncing on somebody's deck. It should have right. hit the ground or something. And then nothing. It was nothing. I didn't hear anything. So I was like, that ain't no football. So I backed up and sat down again. I'm looking around waiting for this next pass. And sure enough, man, right above me, it was a darkness. The best way to describe it for somebody listening would be, imagine two black sheets intersecting in the center. Two black bed sheets intersecting in the middle and just wavering 12 feet above my head the size 15 by 15 feet wide and just wavering in the air above me and it would waver in the air like movement like it's fluid movement from the air and then it would contract down into nothingness and then the nothingness would last a second and then it would span back out 15 by 15 feet wide and you know move and flutter fluidly in the air and that lasts five six seven seconds and then it would contract back down into nothingness and that's one second of nothingness and then it would expand back out and it kept doing this over and over above my head and i'm looking at this thing and i'm thinking you know what is this and I'm, I'm putting together that this thing has something to do with that bat thing. Right. And it wanted my attention. Now it has my attention. Now it's showing itself to me. So I'm like, okay, what is this? I'm sitting there in my chair, and I'm looking up at this thing. So this I, is right above your head, or this is kind of at this an angle? Is, if I had a tape measure 12 feet from my head sitting down, mm-hmm. up 12 feet. If I'm standing up, it's only about 7 to 8 feet. But directly above Directly you. above me. Directly in front of the bedroom window directly in front of the bedroom window. So I'm sitting there in the chair looking up at it and I'm like putting thoughts, like trying to get some type of impression. You know, what are you? What is this? What do you want? And this is, we're talking, you know, minutes are going by. Two, we had two minutes and I'm like, just I'm sitting there observing this thing. Um, three minute mark, I pull my phone out, my neighbor Oz. This was about 11.40. I want to say 11.40, it was almost 12 o'clock. I pulled my phone out because I was going to call my neighbor, ask him to look out the window and tell me if he sees anything above my head. And I pulled the phone out, pulled his contact up, about to hit sand, and I just thought, if he looks out his window, if I wake this guy up, right. and he looks out his window because I asked him to look out and tell me if he sees anything, and he tell me he don't see nothing, I don't want to be looked at as a nut. Right. So I put the phone back in my pocket, and I'm steadily looking at this thing, and we're going into f- five minutes. Five minutes, 30 seconds, six. Somewhere at the five-minute mark, I was starting to get concerned for me because I still haven't gotten any impression from this thing, but it's here. And is it kind of moving it's that like, whole time? It's like when, when it expands, as it's sitting there, it's like kind of like just fluttering in the wind. Mm. Like move, it's movement to it. I give you a description of two sheets intersecting, but it's not necessarily sheets. It's like fluid blackness a fluid blackness i'm giving you the sheets so you can put the impression in your head if it was sheets above you it would be moving from the wind right but it's it's not sheets it's like just a, like a black mass that size and it's like it's going in different directions like 15 feet up and 15 feet across okay 15 feet up from its center mm-hmm. 15 feet across and it's above me, man. And it kept doing that contraction and expanding. And it kept doing that over and over. 
And at the seven minute mark, I said, you know, maybe I shouldn't deal with this thing. I don't know what it is. And I, I got up, kept my eye on it. I got up with my eye on it. I stood up. I stood up with my eye on this thing. Reached around my back, opened the door, kept my eye on this thing. I'm steady, I'm not taking my eye off this thing. And I step in my kitchen and close the door and go in the living room. And I'm waiting, I'm like, you know, giving it a chance to leave. Mm -hmm. I'm not a person that's, I don't think I'm a badass or anything. Things don't really scare me that bad. But this thing I was concerned about because I didn't know what it was and I'm not getting no impressions from it and I don't know what it wants. And it obviously wants something because it's here. Mm -hmm. So I waited about a minute 30 and I went back out and looked. When I looked back up, it was gone. And I was like, good. I was relieved it was gone. But I, I never knew what it was. I never, a story like that, I would wait to hear somebody else talk about it. And then I would say, you know what I saw? This is what I saw. But that story, I don't even care now because I have to believe somebody's seen something like that. Well, let me tell you something, and again, you tell me if this sounds anything like, like okay. what you think. I've had a few stories now of people describing what they described as ink, inky shadows, they hey, said. Uh, before, you, before you continue, my son wanted me to take him. This is his 17th birthday, October 23rd, his 17th birthday. This is 2018, October um, the 23rd, to go see... Ghost Dimensions. Okay. Paranormal Activity. Mm -hmm. If you watch that movie, it's a thing in it that that's how that resembled. And what you just said, it's how it looked. So it's like, I, like I said, I use the sheets, but it's not really sheet. It's like fluid, like a mass, like watery darkness. Mm -hmm. Watery darkness. And in that movie, when we was watching them in the theater, I said out loud, the sign, that's it. That's exactly how it looked. And this thing is in that movie and it's bothering the family. Mm -hmm. And get, watch that movie. If you see it, that's how it looked. That's how it looked. Take away the edges of a sheet. Right. But I'm, I was trying to give you the sheets for the movement, the fluid movement of it. Right. Because if the sheet's above you, the wind is going to make it move. Yeah, so that's yeah, what yeah. I was trying to give you. But it wasn't necessarily sheet. That's it. Yes. That's closer. Right. To what I've seen. Yeah. So people have, have described stuff like that. You know, just they said it looked like I wish Inky I could talk to some of these stuff. people. I'll see if I can dig up which witnesses it was. If I can uh, find them. Good. I can put you in contact with them. This will be the first. Because, like, that little story, like I said, I, I usually just sit. I keep my mouth shut till I hear see a movie or something with something in it where I say, i seen something like that. But that's my first time saying, you know what? I don't even care. I never heard this. No way. This is what I saw. Now, good. Good, good. Well, like I said, when we were talking before, the stuff you're telling me, not that, look, I'm, this is what I do for a living, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I'm ready to hear anybody's story. But when I start hearing somebody and you're checking boxes, right? These stories you're telling me, is like, okay, check. Okay, that, check. I've heard that before. I've heard that before. So I'm not saying I'm not surprised by it because it's, but it's, it jives with what I've heard before. It checks boxes. You know what I mean? It's, this is stuff I've, similar to what Did, I've heard Are these before. people here? No. Mm -mm. These are from all over the place. Okay. So. All right. And people have talked about it in their bedroom, like withdrawn into the corner. Like they wake up and see it, and they and would withdraw into the corner. But they described it like that. They said, like, inky shadows. And I had one person on, and then I think two or three other people said, no, I saw that too. And they came on. Man. So. I really would like to hear some. I just want to, I don't even have to talk to nobody. I would like to hear somebody talk about that. Yeah, I'll, well, I'll send you the episodes. All right. Because the thing about that is I usually get an impression of something, anything. 
I'll give you an example. Like uh, one night when I stepped out here, I saw um, an orange ball of light. And the impression, I mean... I, oh, is this the one you were talking about that was kind of over the nah, neighborhood? Not oh. that one. This okay. is another one. And as soon as I, 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 I do my routine, I step out there to sit down. And I stepped out to sit down. And as soon as I sit down, I see this thing. And for whatever reason, I said, I don't want to be dealing with this. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want to communicate with it. I don't want it to see me here. And I just got it. That was the first time that's ever happened. Like that, My impression was, I don't think I want to be connected to whatever this is. It didn't look friendly. It didn't look positive. Mm-hmm. It didn't look like it had any good intent for anything. And it was, that was over the neighborhood too. But that was just one, that was just the impression I got. With this thing, there was no impression, and that's what really concerned me. Like I have no impression, whether good or bad. Right. You're not giving me anything. You're just here above me. That's a problem because like now you want something, but I don't know what it is. Right. Right. And I don't know if I want to be. I don't giving you anything, so I'm getting the body and I left. That's why I went in the house. Nothing from it. But that thing, the orange thing. That I saw, not the one I was telling you about earlier, but that one, I stepped out, saw it, and I ain't messing with this and went in the house. I was only out there for 10 seconds. I was like, I don't think it's anything good with this thing. I'm just going in the house. That was the impression I got. Could have just been me. Could have been me just being paranoid because it was orange. Mm -hmm. But I didn't feel the need to be out there looking at it, dealing with it, even recording it. I didn't care. Went in the house. But yeah, this, this black thing, I... I don't know. I didn't have no feelings whatsoever from anything. And, and just having nothing, no impression was a problem for me. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, me and my son, we went to see um, Paranormal Activity, Ghost Dimensions. If you watch that, the thing in there is doing, like, it's, it's, that's it. That was it. That was the first thing when I first showed it on the screen. I pointed the screen and said, out loud in the theater, the sun, that's it. That's exactly it. That's what I said. So when you just said the thing about inky blackness, that's better than my description with the sheets. There you go. Yeah. There you go. I'm just glad to hear that. Yeah. Well, like I said, that's when I talk to you. Not that I would doubt you if I didn't hear this, but when you're telling me things, I'm like, yeah, I've heard that. Yep, good. I've heard that. Yep, I've heard that. And the only thing I can check off my head is good. <laughs> Somebody else is saying something crazy like what I, good, whatever is sound crazy in that. How can two and three different people have the same type right. of experience? Right. It's got to be something to it. They got to be seeing something. Yeah. And it happens so often. One of the cool things about doing this is getting a story when you're like, man, that's a weird one. Like, I had one, it was disembodied legs. Somebody just saw legs. And I was like, that is a weird one. And sure enough, here come other people. Okay. I've seen legs walking down the street. I saw legs walk in front of my car. I saw, you know, it just so weird. Just so. People are seeing this. That's all thing I can say because no. I don't think anybody's making it up. I don't think anybody's making it There's no reason to. All right, next we're going to be talking with Rob and Aben from Monster Fuzz. You can find them at monsterfuzzpodcast.com or whatever podcatcher you use. Just type in Monster Fuzz and they should come up. So I want to welcome the, the Fuzzy Boys to Strange Familiars. <laughs> Well, is that us, the Fuzzy Boys, then, yeah? <laughs> we've, we've been called worse, man. We've been called much worse. <laughs> Ron and Aiden from, from Monster Fuzz. Welcome, guys. 
Yeah, cheers, cheers. Thanks, Thanks for so having much, us, man. We're con- continuing the Irish takeover. We're, I think Strange Familiars is basically an Irish podcast at this point. <laughs> There's a lot of us yeah. getting on, right? How many times have you had Irish people on? Do you have a rough number? I don't know. Lately, it's been a good bit. I mean, but, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, well, uh, to to be fair, we are known to go to different parts of the world world and slowly just take over. <laughs> you know, it's in our history. Yeah, that's very true. I think Brother Richard is—he's uh, been on a few times, and he—he's very eloquent and represents as well. Mm. So yeah, it's good to have him on before us, anyway. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This this going to be a step down for your opinion, my <laughs> Richman. I'm afraid. <laughs> when did you decide to do Monster Fuzz? Why did you decide to do it? Let's talk about Monster Fuzz first, then we're going to get into mm. some of your stories. I have to say, you've converted me. I'm a fan. I'm, nice. I, I listen uh, all the time now. That's good to hear, man. That's good because our podcast, while we talk about the same subject matter, are handled very differently because like ours is very silly and sort of like, you know, lowbrow a lot of time. Like, so well, it's got, <laughs> most but, of the time. Yeah, we started just, it was lockdown actually, and we were really bored. And I, I sort of popped over to Eamon's house one day and I just said to him, you know, why don't we just start a podcast? Like it was, I've done YouTube in the past. Eamon has done uh, podcasts himself in the past. And we sort of said, let's give it a go. And both of us like cryptozoology and the paranormal. It was always something that as friends we talked about, you know, when you have like a really good friend that is is love one topic together and you just get really into it. That was kind of it for us. And so, yeah, that was it. That was kind of how it started, really. And we didn't really plan it much, Eamon, did we? No, no, I think we I think actually the original day we had the conversation was it was lockdown. <laughs> the remake of Final Fantasy 7 was coming out yeah. on PlayStation 4. Yeah, yeah. Rob was in the supermarkets. I, I figured I wouldn't be able to get it because everything was closed. It happened to be there. He brought it to my house. We had a cup of tea outside and obviously, you know, stayed away from each other. And then, yeah, we just started talking about it. And then from there, we're like, yeah, let's just do it this Tuesday. And we just kept doing it. And we were very lucky. I had started a podcast years ago with my friend Gordo, who's doing very well with those conspiracy guys podcast now. And he had us on for a show and, you know, it wasn't like we were getting crazy listens or anything, but it, it, I guess we, we started getting a regular a regular following then. So we just decided, hey, let's just keep doing this. It's fun. It's a good way to keep in t- contact. And we were always the two weird guys who would talk about Chupacabra with each other and all <laughs> our other friends were like cool hired men. So we were the weirdos <laughs> in the group. <laughs> How'd you land on the name Monster Fuzz? Uh, we oh. were, oh, it was very difficult. Well, one thing <laughs> is was. that almost every podcast name is taken. So we yeah. tried so many combinations of things. And then I think Monster was one and we were sort of going with far different textures and then Fuzz. Mm. And then we said, right, Monster Fuzz, we looked it up. It wasn't taken. And we've actually talked about this on our own podcast. And you play instruments, you'll probably know yourself. About six months later, and I'm a guitarist, I didn't even put it together. Monster Fuzz is a guitar effects pedal as well. So it's a sound as well. But in our case, it's Monster Fuzz as in Fuzz the texture and Monster as in, you know, what Mm -hmm. we talk about really. So that was kind of the name. We wanted something simple and catchy that was just kind of, I suppose, representative, you know? Yeah, yeah. It was was really like at one point we were the spooky boys uh, which was that was taken taken. we were trying to do everything and then i think rob it kind of came out of you because you said i like that podcast tiger belly yeah and i was like oh that's kind of because it makes no real sense so Mm -hmm. i think we just tried to make ours make slightly more sense in the context of what we were talking about yeah it just it's just sort of stuck and i guess it it'll try if we ever want to do a podcast about something else that sort of fuzz 
um, works. moniker is there you know history fuzz music right. fuzz oh, whatever yeah. fuzz yeah. so yeah we, we kind of went with that that's a good idea i'm gonna steal <laughs> <laughs> you can do you, one you familiar can... familiars and stuff like that <laughs> yeah. strange familiars was the title of the first stone breath record right in ah. 1995 and there were a couple bands that came out after that and i'm not saying they I'm sure they just came up with it on their own. It's not something mm. that, that they couldn't have come up with on their own. But when I went to do a podcast, it's like, I, I want that name. I'm going to use that name. I hope there's not another podcast by that name. I looked up now. And then I was like, I wonder if I can get strangefamiliars.com. And mm. it hadn't been taken. I was like, wow, considering there's there at least three bands that have, they're either like Strange in the Familiars or Strange Familiars or some combination oh, yeah, yeah. of these names. I thought there's no way, but it, it was still available. So it was. Yeah, uh, it's tough. To yeah. Monster, Monster Fuzz was, was actually taken, monsterfuzz.com. And I think that's just an artist. So shouts out to her. She's probably getting like Bigfoot sightings sent into her <laughs> alien abductions. <laughs> and she's just like, I paint pictures. I don't know anything about this. You know? <laughs> well, where can people find Monster Fuzz? monsterfuzzpodcast.com not monsterfuzz.com and <laughs> on, on all podcast players just search monsterfuzz podcast well monsterfuzz and you'll find us so what's with poems what's it or poems <laughs> po- you said it you said it wrong poems. Tim. yeah it says poems uh, <laughs> um i don't know I, I heard i think it's i'm a big hendrick lamar fan and he says poems kind of funny but in a different way he says like palms and so i was like oh that kind of sounds funny so I just started saying poems, and I think our listeners thought that that's how I say it. Like, it's an Irish thing. <laughs> I, I, I did too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, this is how to say it. And it's like, no, no, no. And we just, Eamon is really good at improv. That's like Eamon's strength is just he's really good at singing on the spot, rapping on the spot, all that type of stuff. And I'm not good at improv. I'm I'm a bit better if I'm a bit, if I craft things a little bit. So what I started to do is I started to write poems where Eamon would get into silly positions with the cryptids that we were talking about, you know, like something silly had happened involving him. And then, of course, I pre-wrote mine, but Eamon then was able to just sing improv songs off the cuff about me being stupid rather than him. And, and I came out, it worked really well, I thought, you know. Got dumb, yeah. Well, I mean, it was because he, the first, I think the first one we ever recorded was McKelly and Bembe, right? Mm, yeah. And you were just like, I have a poem today. And I was like, mm. what is happening here? <laughs> and, then, and, then, and again, we're recording, you know, like two, three kilometers away from each other. Mm. Uh, so yeah, my first instinct was just, just sing Adam. <laughs> he leaves you alone. So, so that was that. And there was no script. Like there is no real, like we don't sit down before a podcast and no, say, no. oh, this part is where we're supposed to be funny. Or it's it's just off the cuff. And to be honest, most of the time it shows because it is amateur hour. But like, <laughs> um, no, it's, uh, it's all just off the cuff. And we try and make it as absurd as possible and, and as silly mm. as possible and just have fun with it, you know? Yeah, it, it is it is very strange because it, I mean, it, it can go from like a point where, I mean, two of us are just laughing for two minutes trying to get our composure back together. But then it can get really serious mm. talking about real things and then it goes back to being dumb and then we're kind of being thought. So it's it's a real, it's to be honest, it's really like the kind of conversations we would probably have in general, mm. just exaggerated a small bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably it. And with, I mean, in, in real life, we don't do poems and ad-lib songs <laughs> to each other. That's... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We probably <laughs> should. <laughs> yeah, to make our friendship stronger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I, there's a very serious topic we need to cover before we get started with your stories, mm. and this is uh, chips versus fries. Oh, uh, so should they be called chips or fries, or what? What were we ta- attacking so this now? I'm just going, going at this at a logical thing. So you, you were, uh, I, and I forget which one said mm. like, if you ask for chips and you're handed a bag of Doritos, like. It's going to be bad stuff going down. (laughs) Because for Uh, for, uh, the uh, American listeners, chips over there are are what we would call French fries. Yes. Yeah. 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 But I I just want to like like logically break this down, though. (laughs) So this is this gets deep, and this is real strange familiar territory here that people be happy we're covering. (laughs) What do you call those things you play poker with? They're chips. They're chips. I don't like right. where this is going. What do you call like a, a thing of paint that comes off the wall, like old paint? Well, you could say a fleck. You know, we're very wordy here at Monster Falls now, so we're talking about flecks, I think. Would you not call that a chip of paint? No, I've never heard that in my life, man. <laughs> so the act of making potato chips, you kind of chip them, you know, mm. off the potato. Yes, um, yeah. French fries are still called French fries here. Yeah, Can't, it just yeah. it depends where you get. Like if you get a traditional, a traditional, we call them chippers, which I suppose would be like a crisp factory over there mm. or something. But a, a chipper here is just like fish and chips, sausages, all that sort of stuff. Um, but if you go to McDonald's, it's fries. There's no, there's no chips. And the thing about chips is that you can tell that it came from like a a potato. Mm. It, it, it's it's a more obvious chunky sort of a. I don't know, food source. Now, a crisp is crispy. So mm. if we're getting onto textures, shapes, and sounds here, a yeah. crisp is definitely crispy. So if you have a bag of Lay's, if you're in America, we're very good at switching between America and very stuff here so. with our terminologies. <laughs> if, you have a, if you have a bag of Lay's, it's crispy. It's mm. crisp. So we this said crisp. And yeah. you know. I'm going to fall down solidly with the UK on the football thing. There's no way we American football should not be called football. That we should just come yeah, up with another yeah. name. So I'm with you guys on that. Like no, mm. no, no issue there. I just like but the more confused. Fries thing. Uh, I, I see more confused. Yeah, but even more confusing. This is this one. So Gaelic football, you use your hands as well. So oh, yeah. so yeah. So mm. much like American football. In, in over here in Ireland, we play Gaelic football, and they have Aussie rules in Australia, which is a, a very similar sport. Yeah, they, there is there is more hands. foot involvement in Gaelic football, to be fair, than American football. So, so more like you what have we would to, call rugby, maybe. Kind of, we still have mm. rugby, but Gaelic football would be more fast paced. There's not really scrums or anything like that. It's more like soccer that you would know, except you can pick it up. Okay, I wonder, and this has just occurred to me. That the reason that we call crisps crisps is because they come in crispy packets. When you scrunch them, they make it's like onomatopoeia. They make a crisp sound. <laughs> That's a revolutionary theory. You've got I don't know. I feel like I, I don't know. I'm blacking out here, man. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> crisp I works. Think, I mean, like I'm like that. I could see that. It's, 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 it's chips and chips potato the, chips the, are the one. Chips are mm. throwing me. That's that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I can, to be fair, I, I can appreciate that for sure. Yeah, I think depending on which which side of the pond you come from, there there's logical arguments to be made. I, I will say that yours do seem slightly more logical than ours <laughs> at the moment. But... Ketchup, what do you guys put on your fries oh. or, or your chips? We call it tomato sauce. Red sauce as well. 
or red sauce if you're yeah. uncouth. But I, I would say <laughs> tomato sauce. Yeah, I would. I, I'd say red sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not uh, vinegar or anything like that. Oh yeah, salt yeah, and vinegar yeah. as well. Salt and sure. vinegar. Yeah. So yeah. there's there's when you get like in our town, if you go in and you buy a, a bag of chips in a chipper in town, you'll get in a Wexford accent and be like, salt vinegar with that, hon. Yeah. And what that means is, do you want salt and vinegar with these chips? Mm. Oh. that's like standard issue kind of like that's, that's yeah. what if you're if you're putting tomato sauce on you know you're getting a bit crazy like you're getting a bit out there you know you're a bit jazzy as an individual yeah. which i i like tomato it, sauce it tastes nice i mean mayonnaise is you know that'll turn heads down the town if you put will, mayonnaise yeah. on your chips yeah. here that's if you want to be continental you know well now that we've been all over the board we can that's my to... yeah it's monster yeah, this forever. is like a monster we'll take it everywhere <laughs> We've tried to swing back and hit some of your experiences, which did both of you have shadow people experiences? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so both of us coincidentally have had shadow people experiences. And um I had a sort of a strange black dog experience as well. That these kind of things happened around the same time as well. So we did an episode on them and we sort of talked about it and um we sort of learned a bit more about what we'd had. But yeah, for me the shadow person thing it was the pretty much aside from the black dog thing and maybe i had a few sort of panic attacks at certain times in my life that in hindsight seemed kind of unusual but these were the only sort of unexplainable scenarios that i've had in my life that i could kind of go okay what well, there's a little bit more to that probably than than meets the eye or something so my shadow person experience was i lived in an apartment in an area called cromwell's fort which uh, I suppose you could say would be if anywhere in Wexford town where we're from was to be haunted, it would be Cromwell's fort, I think, yeah. because uh, yeah, Oliver Cromwell, if you're not familiar, he came over to Ireland and, and there was a, a sort of a genocide of the Irish people that is um, on his hands, I suppose you could say. Mm. And so he wasn't a popular figure here. I was living there. I was with my ex-girlfriend at the time and the way the bedroom was laid out was you could sort of see if the bedroom door was open, you could see into a hallway and straight ahead was like a bathroom door. And then to the left was like a, a kitchen door. And so I was lying in the bed. I was awake. Like it was just, I had just gotten into bed type of thing. So I wasn't tired or anything. And she had gotten up to brush her teeth and get a glass of water. I think it was. So I was just lying in the bed. I think I might've been on my phone or maybe I was on my Kindle or something. I had looked out and I could see her sort of doing her stuff in the bathroom or whatever, like she was brushing her teeth or that. And I was like, okay. So then she left the bathroom and went into the the kitchen. So I couldn't see her anymore. She was out of my vision, but the sitting room light was on at the time. So I knew she was in there or whatever. And I closed my eyes and I opened my eyes again. And I seen, I suppose, a shadow of a person, a figure, in the bathroom it was feminine it, it kind of looked like her shadow like a what her shadow would be and it was looking into the mirror it was kind of hunched over the mirror like you know if you've ever seen like a girl that make do her eye makeup or something like that and she's kind of looking in close to the mirror um this shadow was was doing that and in my head i just sort of thought oh okay that's kind of where whatever close my eyes again and then when I opened my eyes and she came back in and I realized that she wasn't in the bathroom at the time, I sort of said, okay, that's pretty weird. And I didn't really think no more about it at the time. And I sort of, probably about a year later, I was like, yeah, that was really weird. And 
it was just something that stuck with me more so than anything in my life that had happened before. And for reference as well, my upbringing, if there was ever someone that was going to be around sort of supernatural or unusual occurrences, it was me. My dad practiced the occult and stuff like that. And I was surrounded by books of Alistair Crowley and things like that. And he had an altar in one of the rooms of the house. And I had never had anything like that before, ever. Not in that house or not in any house afterward. And it was only when I was in this apartment on my own with my my ex-girlfriend that I had this bizarre experience. So for me, it had more weight because I was like, hang on, you know, this is the first time I've experienced anything like that. Did it just look like trying to not ask leading questions? What did it mm. look like? We'll just go with that. What it, what, what there was no, uh, there was no distinguishable features. Like you couldn't make out clothing, but you could make out arms. You know that the shape, the silhouette. I suppose it was it was just a grey silhouette that was. It looked two D, but it was obviously standing in a three D area. Mm-hmm. But it, it's kind of hard to describe. But that's kind of how it looked to me. But it was, yeah, it was pretty spooky. So more colored like an actual shadow then, like, like a gray. Yeah, yeah, like just like a gray, gray color, kind of, I would say, kind of semi-translucent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably what I would say. So, so we get two descriptions of shadow people, that one, and then we get the black as in black one. That's where that's why I was trying to, mm. to uh, get to um, mm. what it looked like, you know, because we do get both. Some people say, no, it just looked like a shadow, just like, you know, a shadow that anybody would there, cast. It's just it was separate from a person no one was casting the shadow but yeah, some people get into this like blacker than black description which mm, is yeah. super interesting this was gray and you know there was circumstances that are or sort of in my eyes it, it probably if it was anything it could have been some type of ghost and i i can't really get into that for the sake of anonymity because like I, I wouldn't want to be giving anything away but there was things that i found out after from her that led me to believe that it, it could be something else that sort of actually added more weight and depth to the story but for the sake of anonymity i can't really share it mm-hmm. something that was connected to her specifically yeah yeah okay. yeah something that was connected to her specifically oh, wow. interesting Very yeah interesting. for for sure and, and and that's that was the main one for me you know Eamon, you have two or three shadow people mm. stories right yeah I, I might have a blacker than black one i'm i don't know i'll, I'll leave it to, to you to decide but so to give you a quick idea of this is my my family home that we're talking about. We live right by the hospital. So my mother, you know, was a nurse. But the hospital nowadays, it's a new, it's a redeveloped hospital, but there was an old hospital there as well. And years ago, that hospital used to be something in Ireland we called a workhouse. And basically what it was is was in Ireland, there were obviously the famine, people were starving. You used to be able to get bed and board if you went to one of these workhouses, so you would just work and get fed very poorly, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. But they actually separated families and children in there where the men were would be in one part of the workhouse, the women would be in another. And then the children, to be honest, I'm not sure, sort of, I'm sure the children are not in another place or are doing something else. But that was an old workhouse. Now, there's no graves dedicated to those people around here. So it's possible that all this where I live now would have just been forest way back when. So I suppose take from that what they will. Is, you there know, was bodies near you, Emin. There was bodies yeah. found. There was actually, they excavated, um, they, were, they were making room for a new part of the hospital recently yeah. enough, about five years ago, and they actually found human remains. So there was, That's uh, right, yeah. and it was actually in a friend of mine's back garden where they found uh, all these yeah. human remains, yeah. And he, he sort of lives at the other side yeah. down from, yeah. So yeah. so I would live, I would say, as the crow flies, maybe 500 meters from him, mm-hmm. give or take. 
so yeah so again take from that what you what you will i'm not going to say ghost or anything but it's it's a bit of context right but for me so i've got when i was a kid i think i would have been eight or nine and so these are the two i think we spoke before and i said when you see something when you i've had loads, loads of experience where i wake up and i see something and I'm not against that being an experience of, of something supernatural. And I'm also not against that being half asleep and half awake. You know, I, I kind of, I can't put as much weight on those ones, but these two particular stories, I sort of know what I saw, if you like. So the first one, I must've been about eight or nine. And I remember I was in my bedroom and I was playing my Game Boy, those old giant gray brick Game Boys. Oh, yeah. And I was playing a, a Ninja Turtles game. That a friend nice. of mine had lent me from from school. Yeah, so the day was going really well until the shadow <laughs> person showed up. <laughs> Banner. So day. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so I'm playing away on that. It's it's nighttime. I have my light on, which is just directly over the bed. I'm playing the turtles game, and I'm I'm getting beat up a lot. And at a certain point, I kind of turn the Game Boy off again. I'm eight or I'm nine, and I just kind of lie back. And what I used to do a lot as a kid would I just sort of I don't know like play with my eyes when looking at light. So, you know, if you squint your eyes, you, your eyelashes kind of create a stream of light from a bulb and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So, I remember doing the same thing. Yeah. So I used to do, yeah, yeah. I used to do that a lot as a kid. So I'm looking at the light bulb and I'm just kind of noticing that if I close my eyes really hard and then I open them, I see that after image of the light as a black dot, you know? Mm-hmm. So you kind of close your eyes really hard, open it, and you see this after image. So I'm playing around with that and, you know, there's nothing, I don't feel spooky. I don't feel any way. I don't feel anything. I'm just, I'm whatever. And I look to my right and right beside my bed is a full figure made of these black dots. And I suppose you could say they're kind of blacker than black because when you do squint your eyes like that and then open them, that after image of the light is always really, really dark. Yeah. yeah. So there's a figure standing there Um I remember jumping through it and running into my parents who would have been in the sitting room. So it's just like, you know, just down the hall. But, and I still don't understand this next bit or why I I don't really understand. I opened the door and I just, I didn't tell them what happened. I just, I, I don't know what it was. I didn't go, oh, there's a thing in my, I, nothing like that. I just kind of ran in, opened the door and then just kind of sat down until it was like time to go asleep, uh, you know, and I, I can't even remember if I was scared later that night or anything like that, that memory is just gone. I remember that. And like I said, it was made completely of these these after images wow. of the light. So it was a strange experience. And look, like I said, you could say that's the active imagination of a child. He's been playing Ninja Turtles all day. His brain is <laughs> like wet cake. You know, maybe that's the case. But the second story I have this one. Oh, hold it, hold it, hold it. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> you jumped through it. Mm. I jumped through it, yeah. Yeah. Did, so, you, did you feel anything? or? No, nothing. I think, and again, like it's so many years ago. I'm talking like, you know, 20 something years ago. So I don't have that memory fresh in my head. And actually, interestingly enough, I had completely forgotten this until we started doing the shadow people story. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, Jesus, I, I remember when that actually happened. So I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel any foreboding sort of sense of anything beforehand. When I jumped through it, I didn't feel any electricity. I, I didn't feel anything. I, I was just, you know, like I was full of adrenaline because that 
scared me but right, I, right. I i don't fully remember how long it took me to see the thing to jump through the thing to run down the the hall like i guess it's just, it's happened so long ago that i don't really have a lot of that but I, I just remember this thing made up of those after images of a light when you've kind of blinked really right. hard you know i'm just trying to like put myself into eight-year-old Eamon said <laughs> yeah it's not a good place to be <laughs> I think eight-year-old Tim would have gone around it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, it's I just mean, an I... interesting choice. Like, I but I guess if you're pumped with, if you're afraid and you're just trying to get the hell out, you know. Yeah, and I don't. I I think that was the thing. Like, and again, the memory's so old. I, I kind of don't fully remember, but I just I remember fear, and it was like I must have known on some. I'm like, this isn't a thing that's gonna stop me. Right. But again, there's no thought. There's no like considering if I'm going to hit off something. And I think one of the things I remember is I remember being much, much younger and playing on the stairs one day. And I remember looking at the top of the stairs and I was like, and it was just my imagination. I wonder what it'd be like if there was just a big green face there. And I sort of tried to imagine it into being. So, you know, when you're obviously you're not seeing something, but you're imagining what a thing might look like in a certain place. So the reason I'm bringing that up is that I knew the difference between what was my imagination, what I was projecting and a thing that was there, mm-hmm. you know, if, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't have very good memories of this. I just I don't even fully remember how it looked. If it was looking down on me, I would say it looked more sort of 2D, but again, cloudy because it's made up of these after images. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm building this whole thing in my head that you know, had you not been messing with that and doing that with your eyes and getting those after images, you might not have seen it. Like that's what I'm yeah. thinking too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Somehow this is it, it. it allowed you to to see it. Somehow, I don't know. I mean, it could be. It could be. What's again sort of interesting because I only have one other one that I won't rush into, but but there is an element of light play with the other story as well. So. I, I don't, and it happened in the same room just, you know, 10 years later. We at Monster Fuzz are strange familiars, Duncan Dunn staring into light bulbs all night trying to see shadow <laughs> yeah, people. This is, yeah, this, yeah. I, I call it the Eamon O'Neill moth method. It's, it's the only way to see monophenia shadow people. Light bulbs crying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. 
Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. But if I can segue it into the other story, if, if you'd like. Oh, please. Yeah. Yeah. So... The other one I have a much better recollection of. It happens about 10 years later. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm 18. And this time I used, so when I was day, you know, seven or eight or whatever, I had like just a single bed in the middle of the room. Well, it's kind of coming out of the middle of the room with the headrest at the at the wall. Um, when I'm 18, for some reason, don't ask me why, but for my 11th birthday, I demanded that I get bunk beds, even though that I don't have a brother or anything to share them with. I just, <laughs> I thought, I thought it would be cool to make forts and stuff. It was, like it was for the shadow person. It was for this, yeah, whatever. Yeah. He got sleepy. Yeah. Um, so I'm 18 years old, and I still have bunk beds for no reason. You know, I think, I think <laughs> I've, I've either just started college, or I'm just finishing my leave insert. It's somewhere in around that somewhere in around that time frame. So I'm 18, 19. And so right opposite where my bunk beds were, they're a kind of parallel to the wall now. So they're right in at the wall. And right across from them, I have a closet where I just have my, my clothes in. But I always have the doors of the closet open and I hang towels at either end, you know, shower or whatever. And inside the closet, I have one of those old school, like three CD sort of LCD light hi-fis. Mm-hmm. So it does that little thing with the, the bar of light where it'll be like CD one, CD two, jazz, bass. And it says all this stuff in, in, you know, little LCD patterns. And so there's always this little green hue that's coming off it. Uh, Cause I'll just, I used to keep it plugged in all the time. I used to listen to like music going to sleep a lot. So I'm lying in bed. I'm not asleep. I'm just kind of looking at the light a little bit again. And this time what happens is, so my curtains are drawn and most times you draw the curtains, you have that tiny little V at the top where they, where they meet, where a small little piece of moonlight might get through. Mm-hmm. And so one of these towels that I'm, that I have hung on the end of one of the open doors, I see it kind of twitch or something. I see it, something happens with that, that towel. I assume I'm like, oh, maybe the moonlight must've hit that in a certain way. And I kind of cock my head a little bit to see what way it's, it's hit the towel, what what has happened, if you like. And again, there's no sense of foreboding. There's no fear. But basically, th- that part of the towel, so it's really dark past that towel. I can't make out the towel. And something that's about six feet tall, and again, this is more, this, is, this isn't the same as the last thing I saw with the light, kind of blotchy, dark black. This is a, a shadow that just walks out from the left and walks kind of it looks as if the head's cocked to look at me but it's hard to know and again this happens so fast you're talking in a couple of seconds it walks out and it gets to the center of the cd player which is probably only two steps three at a push from where it's come from and it just sort of disappears from the ground up when it gets to kind of say where that that lcd light is at its brightest point and i still remember 
like there, I didn't have any fear. Not like when I was a kid and the adrenaline kicked in. This was just me sort of lying in bed and I was like, what has just happened? Like what is going on? And I just sort of jumped out of bed. I had like a lamp that was at the other side of the room. I just turned it on. I, I was scared, man, but I just didn't know what had happened. You know, did it, you say it disappeared from the ground up. So just almost like, like faded out. Or... Yeah, exactly. Faded out. There's actually me and Rob have talked about this before. There's a really old uh, website called JK cinema. And they used to do this, this like video thing on urban legends and ghosts and stuff like that. And this is like way back 2002, 2003. There's one and it's it's called ghost in the car park. And I didn't see it until sometime later, but it shows this shadowy figure sort of disappear by a car. And when I saw that video, I remember going, that's the thing I saw. That's ah. the thing. That's exactly the thing. And then I started getting in my own head and I was kind of like, as time went on, because, you know, you, you forget about these things. But I started going, wait, did, maybe did I see that video first? And then I thought that I had seen. Do you know what I mean? You're trying to kind oh, of know. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I've, I've yeah. done the same thing with when I talked to you guys, I, I talked about the alien abduction stuff. Right? You did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And the, the thing where. Like, I know it, they're in alien abduction literature somewhere. Someone says, you don't have the right to do this. And they reply in mind speak, we do have the right or something like that. Mm, but yeah. I had a very similar thing. And I don't remember how I protested. I don't remember if I said yeah. you don't have the right, like in my head. You know what I mean? I, I know it was very upset. You know, I know I had the thing, but it's also been colored by reading that other experience. Yeah, yeah. And because like this happens on a certain day, I mean, one of the, the more... I wouldn't say scary parts about it, but you know, I'm, I'm pretty young, like I'm 17, 18, 19, something like that. But I, I was with a girl and she was my first girlfriend. You know, it's that, that like first love when you're like, we're going to be together forever. And wow, I can't believe it's everything is Dawson's Creek. But, um, always works out. Yeah. Always works out. Um, but she was quite Christian and she, like when I told her about it and this did not help at all talking about trauma, she told me that this was like a demon trying to get me and I had to recite this prayer. And I remember doing, I remember like it, it must've been a few days later on my phone to her repeating these lines to try to get this shadow person that was trying to possess me away. And that really freaked me out. Like the shadow person was one thing, but that's, idea because i didn't have an eye i was like oh it's, it must be a ghost or maybe i was fell asleep and didn't realize it but that really freaked me out to a point where i remember walking home one day and i was coming up the street and it's just funnily enough it's just by that workhouse i was talking about that old hospital and i'm coming up the street to there there's some street lights but it's pretty dimly lit and i just start getting this terrible fear and i think it's after saying this prayer and everything that like I'm just going to disappear into the street. I'm just going to like go down into the concrete or go down into the tarmac and I'm just going to disappear and it's going to get me. And I'm sure this was just a conjuring of my own imagination because it would have happened recently. But the, the fear, it wasn't the shadow person. That was a scary experience. It was the idea that she put in my head. And I'm not saying rightly or wrongly, and I'm certainly not casting judgment. We were like, she was a year or two younger than me. So she's a kid too, you know? Mm-hmm. But it was that that idea that there was something trying to get me that really, really just it terrified me, you know, that I, I wouldn't be in control or I might do something to hurt someone if this thing got me. And it really, really freaked me out, man, for a long time. 
one of the messages i think the, the the general drumbeats of strange familiars has to do with kind of what you're talking about there and that's like nobody knows what these things are yeah. and i think it's it's important to to drive that home because what you're saying there there are people who assert themselves and often not out of any they're not trying to be uh devious in any way or, no, no, or anything no. they think they know what it is they they truly yeah. believe it like i'm she probably truly believed it was demonic in nature yeah 100 percent. and as well like <clears throat> i mean we still would chat if we see each other now you know we get on well but um since i mean like i said we were both kids back then but now i don't uh i don't believe she's religious or anything like that i could be wrong about that but but certainly that was just an idea that was in her head same as i would probably have ideas about catholicism maybe around that age because that's the way i was raised and then you get a bit older and you kind of reevaluate not that there's anything wrong with those ideas just it there it's it's not as you say it's not um it's not the whole truth it's not the the, the gospel to say i suppose so when we're dealing with these unknowns i think if someone asserts themselves often says well Mm. no that that was this and you don't know what it is yeah you know i think it's very possible that that you just go oh they must know what it is i mean it's logical even you know yeah <laughs> that so i you know, kind of default to to what they say so yeah like i said that's kind of the one of the drum beats we try to hit here again like nobody knows what these things are and if they mm. do they need to provide receipts because uh i'd like to see them <laughs> but i uh, think i think you're but, totally yeah no right. it's, it happens you know um mm. it happened to me too and in, in, in a whole other situation where you know, someone basically told me I was being possessed by the spirit of this young man. They were trying to contact. They were doing spirit contact and stuff. And oh, I was man. I was literally overcome with emotion. Not really uh, like me. I'm I'm not usually one to just cry at the drop of a hat. Yeah. And uh, really overcome with them. And they're like, oh, you know, that this, this you're connecting with the spirit and this yeah. and that. And, and now, you know, given the benefit of time, I look back and go, well, was I? You know, or or was there yeah. things happening there? that's it yeah no I, I think you're totally and i know I, I probably something similar we did a ghost haunt walkthrough was the same thing i was guessing these things correctly like how did you and i was like did he do this and they're like oh my god how do you know all this and i was like i don't know but i think it was just my brain was going well we're in a place so it's, it's obviously something tragic do you know what i mean and you're mm-hmm. you're kind of doing the maths in your head almost mm-hmm. but people are telling you you're channeling and like your experience i felt totally drained afterwards but i think it was because my everything you know or you think you know about life people are telling you oh no look you're doing this thing and then emotionally that's quite draining you know that that yeah. total gray area and and i mean i'm open to there being something you know paranormal having happened mm, yeah. as well but it's just not exactly like defined as cleanly as they were saying you know yeah. yeah, the shadow for me, I didn't actually feel any sort of sense of anything. As a matter of fact, in hindsight, when I learned more information, I suppose I kind of actually felt a little bit comforted, um, but it never actually put any fear in me. I think mm-hmm. when I seen it at the time, I was like, this is a this is this was weird is, is what I really thought. Um, yeah. And also, I should I should note as well, because sometimes, you know, and we've talked about sleep paralysis. We talked about it when you came on our podcast, Tim. I've never had sleep paralysis and I never felt paralyzed at that time. I just, I felt fine and, and sort of, um, and also I think to sort of, I suppose, lend weight to the credibility of the story. I'm not a napper. I'm not someone who 
drops off. I'm kind of like a robot. I have to like program myself to fall asleep. I have to lie down and say, right, I'm going to sleep now. I never doze. Even if I've had four hours sleep, I don't doze. It's, yeah. it's just something I don't do. So when I closed my eyes, it was more just resting them. You know, I was just like, oh, just waiting for um, the ex-girlfriend to come back. So if that's what kind of even made it, I suppose, more unusual for me was that you know, it was never thing where I could I could say to myself because that's I'm looking for answers to sort of smash the whole idea of it in my head, but I I could never really bring something. I don't know why I look for that. I suppose maybe because it is so unusual to see something like that. But it was nothing that I could come up with to actually explain it away and say, oh, that's what that was. As a matter of fact, the more I looked into it, the more um, sort of supernatural explanations could actually answer it. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. It's it, it's funny. You see, like those two shadow people experiences are probably the, I don't know, they're the two that I, I put most weight behind for me. But I mean, I have a whole, I won't get into it today because we'd be here forever, but there's a whole lot of stuff about living in a haunted house with Rob's cousin mm. and a lot of stuff that happened there and then a lot of stuff that happened back in that room. But it's more of that, uh, what do they call it? The hypnagogic state when you're half asleep and half right. awake. Oh, yeah, so, but we, nah, I got to get into that now. But we will get we will <laughs> back. I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. There's theories about that being like that you're actually communicating on a different mm. plane when you're sort of in that state, you know? Yeah, and we, we even talked about, I think we might have talked about it before we were we were on air, but we were talking about those filters in the brain, like being half asleep, does that filter the brain a bit? So there's other elements of kind of, let's call it universal consciousness for the crack right. that can kind of manifest itself or show itself to you. It just because in the same way that when you're you're drunk, maybe it's hard to feel fear you've just filtered a part of your brain. So maybe when you're in that half asleep, half awake moment, can you filter things out so that you're, you're connected slightly to another, another plane? Yeah. Well, and it's really hard to talk about this stuff because the danger is people who have genuinely experienced things in a waking state, you don't want them to say, Oh, it's all a dream, right? No, that's yeah, not what, yeah. I'm, that's not yeah, what I'm absolutely. saying, but I do think dreams play a part, some part, in all of this and uh i'm i'm working on some some shows and possibly even a book that tackles mm-hmm. that because it seems to be so uh tied into the experience and th- i mean this gets in the whole jungian like you know imaginary yeah. versus imaginary i i was thing, literally you know. just we're... about to say have you have you read much carl Jung? yeah um, we're, we're actually recording an episode on dreams right after this oh, really? <laughs> so it's quite it's quite strange that we're talking about it but yeah all the notes that we've done were all about that kind of thing the dream state and but the way that we look at that you know you were sort of saying about well you don't want to take away from their experience you know because uh, by saying it's but there's a lot we don't know about the dream state. So, I mean, even offering an explanation of, well, maybe it was dreams doesn't necessarily dismiss it being something mm. supernatural or out there or because there's a lot that isn't explained about dreaming still to this day. I mean, even if you look for like, there isn't hard scientific fact about dreams. It's just, it just yeah. doesn't exist. There's different theories as to what they might be. And some are very, very good and interesting, but there isn't concrete stuff to stay right this is it we've got it wrapped up um right. let's move on to the next thing you know mm-hmm. well f- yeah for sure my experience that we had in that place called pandemonium i was awake i was woken up by wooden ox what followed i was entirely awake for right but i've since come to view that experience like both chad and i were were camping and we you know we we both woke up from similar dreams 
we were both dreaming in place. In other words, I was having a dream that I was in the campsite there. Yeah. And so we see we were both dreaming about creatures, different creatures, but similar. <laughs> and wow. we wake up to these wood knocks and have this, this pretty intense experience. I'm now convinced that if we didn't sleep there, that wouldn't have happened. Now, I don't know the mechanics yeah. involved in, the, yeah. in all that, but I just, those dreams feel so integral to that experience that I'm fully convinced. And part of it's because we've been back a few times and we haven't slept there and the feeling is very different. So we, I have to repeat the experiment. I'm going back in October and sleeping there and we'll see what happens. Cool. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah I, I think, but I think you're totally right. And even as we, as we, again, maybe it was pre-recording, but we talked about things that can be both, let's say, supernatural and also like I do think there's an element of dreams that is your brain sort of defragmenting itself and mm -hmm. sort of right I don't need this I do need this I do need that but then I was doing a lot of work sort of recently just I suppose it's like self-psychotherapy you're kind of sitting down working through memories and, and kind of doing some of that like Jungian uh, introspective work you know yeah but my dreams went they were loaded with like metaphor and they were very vivid, which is I, I never I usually don't really remember my dreams as well, but I remembered my dreams very, very well after this. And there was a lot of stuff about light and darkness in those dreams. Like, uh, for example, one was an orca that I was trying to get towards, but I couldn't seem to get towards it. Another one was me trying to hide from a being that was fully made of light. Hmm. And the more I was thinking about it, I was like, all right, well, you're trying to get you're trying to get deep with something here you're trying to understand your you know what what makes you a bit better here and the more i thought about the orc i was like well that's like that's light and darkness you're trying to understand your own light and darkness your shadow if you like and then the other one the being of light illuminating someone who's hiding is like is it trying you know like that shadow oh, work yeah yeah so but it's it's really and again look it could be a thousand other things and i'm sure different uh psychoanalysts or whatever would just be like oh no this, you know he he oh he he's got that freudian thing where he wants to sleep with his mother it's you know it, it like who knows but it's just for me i noticed when i started to do that work my dreams started to get much more vivid and loaded with symbolism big dreams little dreams i think there's something to that i think sometimes yeah you're just you go to sleep at night and you're just got to unload whatever you know mm -hmm. for the day yeah. and then sometimes you get for whatever reason you get these big dreams that are at least personally meaningful, if, if nothing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So who had the black dog? That was me. So this all occurred, like I said, within the space of about three to four months. And at the time, I never thought much about it. But because nothing has really happened since or before, I was kind of like, okay, there was something to this. So this was a fairly bizarre, and I wasn't even really aware of the whole black dog folkloric thing at the time even i knew it was a cool led zeppelin song but i never really <laughs> gotten too far into it but yeah so it was christmas day and um as good irish catholics you know we we were getting drunk um i <laughs> met with my friends and, and we just a fantastic time for the supernatural though people like especially in america i don't know maybe over there you have some of that old folklore still attached to it but here it's been mm. so it's so saccharine christmas you know it's very yeah very saccharine that people don't realize like it, there's this strong tradition of of mm. i mean like the christmas ghost story didn't start with uh, you yeah. know, christmas carol you know it's going back hundreds yeah. and hundreds of years and it's really really in where the footprints end i call it time of the wild men because there's there's just so much there there's so yeah. much, so much uh you know so christmas is a that's a good time. That's a good, uh, good, good, good time for this stuff. 
Yeah, and, and we, like, even in Ireland still, you know, it's not uncommon for, say, people that maybe don't frequent Mass to go to Christmas Mass and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. So there is still a vibe of tradition in Ireland. that It is, like you said, it, I think we are very influenced by America, um, whether we like to admit it or not. At times, Irish people are very pr- proud of their culture. But I do think by proxy, you know, we have these huge influences on either side of the water to us. You know, we have Great Britain, mm-hmm. we have America. And I think we take little bits of both of their cultures. It probably wouldn't be a popular thing to say, but that's how I feel on it. But mm, yeah. I think that every Christmas, it sort of does get a bit diluted and, and further away from what it, I suppose, what it should be in some people's eyes. But yeah, so Christmas Day, I had wrapped up with the family. You know, we had we had, had our meal and, and all that stuff. I was up in my parents' house for it. And me and my friends decided, let's go down to my apartment. This was the apartment I seen the shadow person in and all that. Said, let's go down and have some drinks and, and, and just have a bit of a get together for the night. And so we walked down. There was probably, I don't know, six or seven of us. And they were all witnesses to this. Like, so they were all there with, with me. And, and there's pictures of me with this dog on Facebook as well. It's just such a bizarre experience. <laughs> so we're walking and, and we're probably like, you know, three quarters of a kilometer from my apartment at this time, at this stage. And this black dog appears and it's, it's a black lab and it's got whiskers and stuff. It's got gray whiskers and it's really friendly. Like it's like, you know, I mean, labs and golden retrievers are friendly. I have a golden retriever myself, but this is unusually friendly. It comes up to the whole group and it's like, Hey guys, you know, what's up? How, how are y'all doing? And, and we're like, okay, cool. Look, it's a dog, like whatever. And there was no owners in sight. And, no houses that it seemed to belong to. So we said, right, we'll just keep walking. Let's ignore it. So we kept walking and the dog kept following us. And as a matter of fact, it started to lead. But the unusual part was that it was leading us to where we were going. (laughs) So so this is where it started to get strange. So we're all kind of laughing at the novelty still. We're like, oh, look, the dog knows where we're going. You know, we're like six drunk Irish idiots, like having to laugh at this. And it, continues to walk to my apartment and my apartment even has a kind of an unusual entrance in that it it, it kind of wraps up around it's a little walkway that you have to walk around to get up to the front door and so the dog walks up ahead of us uh like we haven't even made the turn in to to do this little walk up to the door and the dog walks right up to the door sits down at the door and waits for us and so we're all laughing. I, I, I'm saying to my friend, look, look at this. This is nuts. Like, I've never seen a dog do this, you know? And so I opened the front door. And again, very bizarre behavior. The dog runs in the house <laughs> ahead of me and jumps up in my chair. So I had a, a chair in the middle of the room. The dog jumps up, sits in the chair, and it's as happy as Larry. It's delighted. <laughs> and it's just sitting there. So we're like, what do we, what do, we do with this dog? And... I started taking, like I said, I started taking pictures and stuff with the dog. It's actually pretty spooky because in the picture, I'll send it to you after we record, the dog actually has like bright blue eyes. It's obviously just a camera thing, but, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, it, it adds a bit of spookiness to it. So the dog stays there all night with us and literally sleeps at my feet. We're all drinking, having a laugh and, and, and being loud and, and sort of boisterous. And the dog doesn't care. This is a this is a room full of strangers. It's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> So then at the end of the night, I'm like, to be honest, I would have kept the thing. But I, at the time, I didn't have a garden in this apartment. So I was like, okay, I have to put it out. Like, I don't know when this dog is 
going to want to go to the toilet or anything right, like right. that. So I'm going to have to put it out. Like, So I put it out and we don't think no more of the dog. We sort of say, oh, that was fun. Like, but didn't really think much about it again. And um, New Year's. So New Year's, we're all partying in the house. And next thing, there's the scratching on the front door. And we're like, what is this? And we open the door and it's the dog. And he comes in and he hangs out with us for the night. And I'm like, this dog has to go because like, I, I, at the time, <laughs> I didn't even have the means to mind the dog at the time. I think I was like 20. I didn't have much money or anything. I was right, like a, right. a broke 20 year old. But that was it. The dog went again after that experience. Never seen it again. It was unusual. In hindsight, I mean, do I believe in things like reincarnation? I don't know. Uh, there was a death in the family, maybe a few weeks beforehand, maybe a month or two beforehand. That's the only thing. Like, obviously, uh, myself and Eamon, you know, we, we will look to that type of thing to try and explain mm. stuff. But th- it was definitely comforting and, and it was a really nice dog. It was super chill. Wow. Um, it was a really strange experience. But yeah, it was a black lab as well. So once. So the Muddy Do. Have you heard of the Muddy Or the, the, the morning after Christmas, you put it out. It was gone. It just goes. It yeah, goes yeah. wherever it goes. And yeah. shows up again on New Year's. Yeah, yeah it shows up on New Year's. Amazing. Now, if the, yeah, if this dog lived like where we met it, that was at least um, yeah three quarters of a kilometer to a kilometer away. So it was, a, it was far enough away to where... You know, there's no significance in my house to this dog, right. if you get me. Like, you would get it if it showed up at a neighbor's house or something. But I've never, like, I've owned plenty of dogs throughout my life. I've never seen that behavior. Uh, like, obviously, labs can be friendly and stuff for sure. But to lead the way, to get up to my front door, to then barge in when I open the front door and sit up on my seat and be like, yeah, this is my house. <laughs> and, um, Do they have leaf balls the- there? Uh, like, can you to keep the dog on the leash? Yeah, 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 yeah. We do. Um, and as well, I mean, the circumstances. This was so. I, I, uh, I when I on the farm, it was not uncommon. Like, just dogs would wander around, and and sometimes you'd just see a dog, and you and you knew what dogs were kind of like the neighborhood dogs. You know, they come yeah. through. But mm. in a town, and I'm presuming this is in a town or yeah, yeah, town, yeah, built up town, built up enough town, twenty thousand population, something like that. Yeah, yeah busy enough, little small town. Much rarer to have just like the roaming dog. That's you know, like oh, that's Bill's dog or whatever. The, you know, it never like yeah, yeah I, I yeah. very rarely see a dog off leash. Yeah, um, yeah, much less of course on like say Christmas Day when all the family are at home, right? And they would know that their dog is missing. You know, yeah, they saw. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was it it was it did have a collar, I believe. Um, but. I had never seen this dog before or after that. Like I'd never seen it. I used to walk this route every day. So, you know, sometimes two, three times a day, never seen that dog before. It was, it was, it wasn't a dog that I was familiar with. And as a dog lover, you know, I do pay attention. If I see a nice dog, I'm like, Oh yeah, it's a, a cute dog. Right. And if I was approached by a dog, I'd totally entertain it. So, sure. um, yeah, it was, it was a fairly bizarre experience for me. That's fantastic. No, I, yeah. I love that story. We we get these stories on Strange Familiars occasionally of these seemingly um, normal or or you know non paranormal mm. humans that appear in, in particularly weird situations. The Bunny Man stories are mm-hmm. are ones mm. that, that uh, come up. But people outside of Easter, dressed in as rabbits or in bunny suits or with bunny ears, mm-hmm. and that just appear in strange situations. 
and pe- so strange where people were like, I, that wasn't right, you know, beyond yeah. the bunny suit, yeah. that wasn't right, you know. Is that like Danny Darko, kind of? Did that get that idea from that theory, maybe? Because have you seen Danny Darko? I have, sure. Yeah, it's Yeah, it's that, it's that kind of bunny suit idea in that as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> it kind of pops up, yeah, here and there, and, and there's a chicken and egg thing, but I, I do think these stories, well, I know there's a bunny man story that, that absolutely predates it, that I think mm. influenced Donnie Darko as a a story about a it was outside of Washington DC in Virginia and this mm. this guy in this bunny suit would just show up people would be like parked in this area he'd just show up he had an axe and he'd, okay, go, right. okay. he'd tell people they had to leave it was his I've... property even though it wasn't and so forth but many people saw him and became this this huge legend there's a bridge there they call Bunny Man Bridge yeah I was just about to say Bunny Man Bridge yeah yeah yeah, yeah but uh, you know that certainly predates Diane Darker but, but these stories like my one of the guys who's on the podcast a lot, my buddy John, mm-hmm. right near my house. He was driving and he said, "Not Easter. This is you know well past Easter into the summer." He's driving mm-hmm. by. There's a guy sitting in, in a cornfield in a chair in the middle of the field in a bunny suit, waving, just waving at, at his car oh. when he passes by. He saw it. His kids saw it. That's and, spooky, man. Yeah, yeah, he's telling me the story, and I said he was illuminated because it was at night. He was illuminated, and I said, "Well." How was he illuminated? And that's the thing that he's like, I can't, I don't remember. He's mm. like, oh, he said, he said there wasn't a street light because he's in the middle of a field. He said, I don't remember how he's illuminated. So that's the the weird thing. But he was just odd. He said he and his kids still talk about this guy in the bunny suit waving at them when they drove by. Yeah, I mean, I, it is so spooky. But, but like, but I wonder if the... you didn't have the the canine version of that. You know what I mean? The the <laughs> the, the odd, you know, relatively normal thing popping up in. Yeah. Situations or something yeah. Like that. yeah. Yeah. And, and as well, when you when you tie in the folkloric side of the black dog and its symbology, and, and, and the Madi Do is a famous black dog in Manx culture in the Isle of Man. Mm-hmm. We have listeners from the Isle of Man, and, and they're obviously very proud of their island, and they wanted us to do, yeah, do a Madi Do episode. And so when we did that, we learned a lot more about black dogs. And, yeah. and most of the time, you know, it seems like that they're. Uh, evil or or uh, something that is yeah. said to incite fear but for me i, I like this dog was great <laughs> you know i would have kept him as a pet he was cool our uh local semi-local it's a south mountain it's it's uh not terribly far from here black dog is the snarly yow okay all right good name snarly yow snarly yow was like good that, yeah. yeah yeah those not super well known but the the black dog legends they did cross the atlantic i think with uh with the Europeans when they came, they brought the, the black dogs with them. Yeah, there's the black yeah. shook is another one, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. from uh, somewhere in England there. There's just quite a lot of them. Yeah, my son, uh, he must have seen some show when he was little, like real little, mm. on black shook. So for many years, he would often mention like, oh, black shook. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, just the hound of the Baskervilles as well, of course, has the sort yeah, of the, yeah. the, the mm-hmm. black hounds and all that, doesn't it? So no red glowing eyes with this uh, blue glowing eyes. This black in the, in the in the picture in the picture with, with me and the dog. Like I said, I'll send it to you after we record. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dog has bright blue glowing eyes, <laughs> um, which is which is kind of obviously it's probably an artifact. It didn't have it in in person, but it's kind of adds to the whole vibe of the encounter. But yeah, all my friends were there, and it was one of those things where at the time we didn't think it was as strange and then when I, I i was retelling the story to them i'm like do you not think that this was bizarre right. and they're like yeah now i do think it was bizarre because i'm yeah. like 
if you pull a dog far enough away from its home as well, like it probably will want to go home at some point. This dog didn't mm. care. It was like, actually, I want to go back there. Um, Did he so, spend the whole night, the New Year's yeah, as well? Uh, yeah, yeah. He was there the whole night at New Year's. In fact, there was too many people in the house at New Year's, so I had to pull him out because I didn't want people like stepping on him or anything if right, he was asleep right. on the floor because it was a pretty big house party. So he, it was funny. He was outside, but he kept scratching on the door to come back in. And I was like, man, you've got to go home. Like, I, like, I don't know where you're going. And I, I imagine he did find his home because he was gone then the next day. But like, yeah, it was, it was such a bizarre, a, a bizarre scenario. And uh, were you sharing spirits with this with this animal? Uh, no, he, he might have had a few cigarettes or something like that. Maybe well, a, few, a few jazz cigarettes or something like that. Party dog. Mm. He just, he just, he's party party pooch. <laughs> yeah. No, that's super cool. I love that story. Yeah, yeah, I, man. Yeah. I'd had a hard time not keeping him. I tell you that. I, yeah. I know. Yeah, for sure. If, if to be honest, if I was older. Uh, now, even though I have a dog, I, I would absolutely have probably kept him in overnight and then probably made a post on, say, the local Facebook groups and tried to establish if there's an owner. Mm-hmm. And if not, I would have killed him. Now, if, or kept him, sorry, not killed him. <laughs> wow. Uh, Got uh, dark Fro- Dr. That's Freud, a Freudian okay. slip there <laughs> when I was uh, <laughs> No, but um, I would have kept him. And I think, because what I was thinking of is the vets n- nearby would have probably killed him if he was a stray, oh, but I, I don't know whether they do that with dogs. You, but actually, yeah, isn't there that, that animal shelter place? Yeah, they, well, they, they euthanize cats. Yeah. yeah, you see, the reason that I said it was because they, they put a letter through my t- door when I was up there, and it was like, if you don't take uh, your cats indoors, we will euthanize them. They used to, mm. to scoop up Jeez. the feral cats, which I suppose kind of has to be done as well. Um, but I don't think they'd do that with dogs, hopefully. And and as well, this Labrador was quite old, like it had grey yeah. whiskers. Right. So I, I if it wasn't some type of spectral pooch, um, it, it had owners, I would imagine. Yeah. Whether it's supernatural or it's just a normal thing, maybe it just came into your life at the right time and it's a nice sort of thing to have happened, you know? Well, the black dog story, whether it's supernatural or not, it's an awesome story. Shows yeah. up yeah. again yeah. on New Year's. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> That's it's like seven days later these guys are going to have a great session again yeah. so let me show up yeah yeah or, or he heard wonder, you partying he's like ah, yeah yeah i wonder i wonder where he was like the other the other days like valentine's day he goes yeah. to a different house or he just like moves around shows you know? up with her rolls in his mouth yeah. <laughs> oh well that yeah 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 that guy's girlfriend would be really happy she's like yeah. how did you even do this <laughs> i planned it all yeah <laughs> So you guys do two episodes a week, which makes me insane. Because yeah. that's awesome, and I wish I could, and I can't. But uh, well, I'm, I'm I'm impressed. Two episodes a week of Monster uh, I'm a I'm a freak for like utilizing the time that I have as much as I can. So psychologically, the way I work it is like me and Emin are sitting down. We're probably <laughs> going to be talking for an hour or two beforehand and after anyway. So we may as well make the most of the time and get as much recording done as we can. And it sort it sort of also came from as the podcast grew, we had these great fans like like our listeners and and you know you hear it all the time. It's like oh we have the best, but our listeners are very active and and yeah. they're a really cool bunch and we do really appreciate them. And those guys, you know, they were interacting with us so much that I kind of felt like I said it to them and I was like we maybe we should do something that's a bit more community driven as well. You know, something that we can sort of t- reach out to people a little bit. And because 
basically strange familiars you reach out to people and you get your stories you know mm-hmm. so that's kind of a lot of what you do we didn't have that component so we were talking about people and talking about stories but it was all just stuff you'd find from google so we said let's just have something where people can write in people can call in people can you know do whatever they like and have a, a more light sort of just have a chat and sort of it's an easy going podcast. And and so that's what mini fuzz became. Yeah. And as well, we don't really edit that much to be honest with you either. Cause like, no. uh, like we kind of keep it fairly raw, you know, just do the, the basics and, and keep it kind of mm. unedited. We, we never edit anything out unless it's like something really ridiculous, <laughs> but most <laughs> of the time everything stays in. And it's also, we found sometimes that when we started a main line episode, which is the ones that come out on a Monday, with the ones that have a theme, I suppose you could say that sometimes we were a bit cold for lack of a better term going into them. Like we'd be fumbling over words or, you know, and you probably got that yourself as a podcaster, you know what it's like. Sometimes you go into something and you're, Oh, did I say the right thing there? Or maybe I said, so we kind of felt that mini fuzz was a great way to get warm. So we spend usually 40 minutes to an hour recording that. And then we go into a main episode that'll take about an hour and a half. Mm. But we found that the quality improved, right, Emma? Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. And I think mini fuzz as well, because it's just like, here's some strange articles that yeah. happened, or here's a story someone wrote in, or in certain cases, here's a song someone sent in, or like, and again, Rob's point with the community, people sending in poems and songs. And, mm. you know, it's it's really fun to have that, that aspect of it. But the mini fuzz is really just to kind of, yeah, gets us in the mood. And then sometimes the mini fuzz can be a catalyst for like, a Pure really bizarre, yeah exactly it might set off the tone of the next episode like we oh man and i i'm i don't know whether to be proud or ashamed of it <laughs> but our our skinwalker ranch episode is re- like it's ridiculous there's yeah. like if you go there and you really want to know about skinwalker ranch i would advise against it because it's just <laughs> us laughing about nonsense yeah. and it's really because i i love the whole idea of skinwalker ranch and if i turned on this episode i'd be like i will never listen to these people again <laughs> It's just, yeah, so it, it worked out in, in, in our favor to just do it that way. But it, it was about trying to maximize our use of time. So like, yeah. let's say, for example, if we sit down at eight o'clock at night, we'll generally have two episodes done and the episodes edited by half 12 that night, the, the next morning, I suppose you could say. So it, it doesn't take me very long to churn out what we churn out. I'm yeah. way too anal. Um, I edit everything. Yeah, well, that, no, no, you're right. Like, I think, you see... It, it depends on what angle you're coming from, who your influences are as a podcast, I think, as well. Like myself and Eamon, because we're such good friends, we have a good rapport with each other and we're used to talking to each other so much. That, that helps. That helps. Yeah. I have noticed when, so when we do like the history episodes where it's just Allison and I, my wife and I, yeah. batting back and forth, so much easier to edit. And it's not anyone's fault. It's just we're yep. more relaxed with yeah. each other. Yeah. We, we, yeah. And it's hard to get that in a podcast uh, otherwise. Which is why, yeah. if you're if you're ever, I, I think to anyone that wanted to start a podcast and they, and they were doing a sort of a, a co-host situation, always look fairly close to you. You know, look to people mm. that you know, people that you know, you kind of get the vibe for each other, and it, it probably helps a little bit too that I did 500 hours of YouTube videos, Eamon did hours and hours and hours of podcasts, so maybe we do have a little bit of self-editing at times where we can just move on quickly rather than leaving things hang and right. you know little things like that but it's like joe rogan he's the biggest podcast in the world like i'm not the biggest fan of joe anymore but like they don't really edit joe do you know like it's not edited as, as such it's just yeah. a conversation 
Right. I think that's it, man. Yeah, it's it's all like like I, it's certainly for me if I was trying to do something more in the tone of what you're doing, Tim. I I would be more meticulous about yeah. the way that I'd edit it because I mean, with him and me, it's like you you know, you come for the cryptid, you stay for the comedy. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you go to find out about a, a monster or or whatever it is, and it's me and him talking absolute brown to each other. Yeah, I so it. it uh, I think that's why I like it. I think that's why I like it. I get enough of, <laughs> yeah. of the, the straight uh, cryptid stuff. Uh, you know. Ah, yeah. Well, it's it just there's room for everything, and that's the great yeah. thing about it. And I think with your style of podcast as well, it, it, it having a more edited and um, sticking to a strict form works better because it's you know you're coming because you want to hear stories, you want to hear information, and I think if you're presenting that in the most clear and concise way you can, that's only going to pay dividends like for people that are listening they're like oh this is great i, I i'm getting yeah. what i want to get a lot of people don't like banter based podcasts so it's it, it is horses for courses it's it's up mm. to different people and what they like have you ever run into the uk bigfoot people no 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 no, no. no. that you would you believe that there's actually irish bigfoot people as well oh yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah. they're based out of wicklow yeah so Potentially, there's a Bigfoot roaming around Glendalough, which is a popular tourist attraction. Uh, beautiful place. And if Bigfoot was place. anywhere in Ireland, he would be, he would be there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, to be fair, here's one thing, though. Here's And I never thought about this before. Oh. So the Wicklow Mountains is a known sort of... Um, spook spot. Uh, yeah, spooks yeah. A, a site where people have disappeared, right? Mm-hmm. And now this has been linked back to, you know, there's some various sort of criminals in, in uh, Irish legal history, you know, uh, would have been... Um, Affiliated with the cases of the area. Yeah, stuff, predators yeah. of women, stuff like that. But there still is, there's a lot of unsolved cases of people disappearing in Wicklow, in the Wicklow Mountains, which would be close to, I suppose if you're a Wicklow Bigfoot group, I mean, who knows, you know, you get into that kind of missing 411 type stuff there. But uh, yeah, I never, I never made that connection before in my own head, but it, that could be one to look at, Rob. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think I have... And I forget, I'm going to blank on the name of the forest. It's somewhere in, in where the footprints end. I talk about, uh, there's a woman who took a photo of something which, which looked like maybe a white Bigfoot. It could have also been a pine tree covered in snow in, mm. in some Irish forest. I forget which which one it oh, was. An Irish forest. No, Ireland wow. is, uh, it was once 97% covered in forest and now has less than 10% forest coverage, right, which yeah. is why that, the kind of Bigfoot theories for me, it's like, well, uh, Bigfoot could have been killed by some angry Celt. Maybe he was killed by an angry Viking. And if he wasn't killed by them, he definitely lost his house along the way. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. like if, if we're talking about the hairy man, hominid type of Bigfoot, yeah, then the absolutely. One, yeah. Now, if we're talking about supernatural Bigfoot, I mean, you know, it's uh, it, it could be anything really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. what, where I live in Pennsylvania, there's no breeding population of ape men here. There's not. No. There's not. Yeah. It just can't be. And I get mm. I get calls from witnesses all the time. And I talk to them and I believe them. They're extremely yeah. Yeah. believable, you know. So as time goes on, I'm I'm less and less uh, amenable to the breeding population theory anywhere. Mm. But yeah. if you want to make an argument in the Pacific Northwest, okay, maybe. you know. I, yeah, I, I think that, so too. Yeah. That door is yeah. closing for me as time goes on. But I'll, I'll allow, you know, maybe. But here, no. Uh-uh. No. Yeah. It couldn't yeah. be. So you know, up. it has to be, but I, I think anywhere, Ireland, UK, any, anywhere mm-hmm. over there that Scotland that has these sightings, it's like, don't like, and some of the, the groups over there insist, you know, they're these flesh and blood kind of groups. Yeah. I'm like, how do you make that yeah. work? Like, how do you, in uh, your head, how do you make that yeah. work? To be honest, in Ireland, like you can barely get a pint of milk somewhere without missing <laughs> someone, you know, like yeah. seriously, it's, it's so, so easy to come across someone, you know, 
we would have to have seen like there would have to be loads of reports if, if there was a you know and maybe there is but i would i would be quite skeptical about if, that yeah if you subscribe to the theory that you know bigfoot is an expert hider and maybe part of his evolutionary sort of uh traits or whatever is that he can hide really well and he stays out of the way <laughs> yeah. of people and and is a, a very much a reclusive species then maybe i mean mm. you know we have badgers here and the only time you see badgers is at the side of a road dead that's you true. know yeah, so yeah. i mean uh, there is that but like mm. it would be a stretch but you know it's again we're open thing, to yeah. it i suppose well i guess look you can always herald back to that mitch hedberg joke which is maybe bigfoot's just blurry yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no. Mitch Hedberg is a saint in this house. He's, he's he's one of the funniest comedians I've ever ever seen. My it's hilarious. I, my wife tolerates him. My daughter hates him, but my son and I can listen to Mitch Hedberg just constantly, and and it drives yeah. my daughter insane. But uh... and because because there's such a sort of finite amount of Mitch Hedberg, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's like you can listen to the same joke like every time he tells that one, <laughs> you know, or every time I hear it rather. When he says, like, ah, I'll take a frozen banana because I might want a regular banana later. <laughs> like, they're, just, they're, so, they're so stupidly brilliant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's just amazing. Like, that's... Yeah. I can just listen to it again and again. We have a Mitch Hedberg CD, and every time, uh, you know, we're driving somewhere as a family, and it's my son's turn to, to pick the CD. And he picks that, <laughs> my daughter just, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, I was even... As a kid, I was always, I loved just like, I loved music, don't get me wrong, but I loved listening to people talk. Like, I just loved stand-up comedy and just, I think the first time I ever heard it was like, there's a Neil Tobin cassette tape we had, which is a really uber Irish reference. Um, but it, it was just him telling really bad jokes. Like, one of them was about his wife complaining a heartburn. He's like, well, if you take your chest out of the soup, you'll feel better. <laughs> they weren't even that funny. Like, you know, but as a kid, I was like, I can't believe someone just like, he just says funny things. And it, yeah, I, I, and Mitch Hedberg, when I first heard him, I was just like, this is so good. So good. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've considered even buying the merch. I think there's an official Mitch Hedberg shop with, with t-shirts and stuff just to, yeah, well, to uh, yeah, annoy definitely my daughter a little more. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what are the chances of getting a, a song about a uh, party dog? Oh, okay. Party, party dog song. Um, <laughs> right, you've caught me very unaware here. <laughs> okay. Um, it's Christmas Day. What am I doing today? There's a couple of cool guys walking away. Think I know where they live. One of them's got a head like a sieve. I run in front of them, scratch at the door. Rob comes up and he says, hey, Boar. Boar is my name. That's what he calls me. Let's go inside. My thaws are burning. Turn on the TV. Listen to Mitch Hedberg. (laughs) But at the end of the day, he'll put me outside. Because he needs to get up for work. <laughs> Beautiful song. I'm getting emotional. And... Uh, I, I hope you did call him Boar. I, I, I ran out of road. <laughs> Much more improvised songs on Monster Fuzz. Yeah, <laughs> lots of them. But literally one every episode. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Guys, I love the podcast. I do. I love Monster Fuzz. So. Uh, we're we're uh, a big strange familiar. Honestly, yeah, right? Huge. So when we started the podcast, 
Eamon name dropped you a few times. He was a big fan, and um, I, I listened after on his recommendation. But um, we've had guests on the podcast, and we've guested on the podcast, but on different podcasts. But Eamon was literally fangirling about meeting you and, yeah. and having you on our podcast. So. I like, like I, I got uh, before because I was like. <laughs> today man it was like we got the invite and it was like tim renner has invited us like i can't believe like i i was listening because i heard you on on um sasquatch chronicles mm. and that's where i got into the like paranormal bigfoot and i was like jesus christ this i, I suppose here we are anyway but it was it was a it was a funny moment for me but yeah i, I i'm a big fan pass Thank it on you. to rob and he's a big fan too now yeah, so that's strange. Fermenters actually has a hand in, in Monsterfuzz even existing. So it's, yeah. a, it's a direct result of your input, I suppose, in the podcast. Oh, that's awesome. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Other... Thank, thank you, man. Yeah, yeah. like fantastic work you're putting out there. Awesome. Monsterfuzzpodcast.com. Well, yep, that's the one. And then mm-hmm. uh, on all the different podcatchers, I suppose. Yep, yeah, all of them. Awesome. Very good. We will check it out and we might swing back and, and catch some of these sleep paralysis or uh, hypnagogia stories uh, absolutely and you're definitely oh. coming over for an albat which episode that's <laughs> that's in the pipeline that's happening awesome i'm yeah. looking forward to it cool awesome cool. all right thank you guys thanks thanks so much take care so if you had an unruly black party dog that visited your house on Christmas and New Year's. That is different from my black dog experiences. Yes, very different. There was no party happening or I wasn't invited. I love their story of the party dog. And of course, it sounded like a very well-behaved dog. Perhaps it had already gone through the program at 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy. That is the only thing that really makes sense. Yes. And he was a perfect house guest because of it. Reformed shook. <laughs> No matter whether your dog's black, brown, white, or anywhere in between. Blue. If it's a blue tick, yeah, absolutely. Whatever kind of dog you have, you can get help with training from 90 days to the perfect puppy. You want your dog, no matter the color of its fur, <laughs> to grow up to be a pleasant party dog and a good guest when it goes to strangers' houses on Christmas and New Year's. <laughs> so you want 90 days to the perfect puppy. They have a relationship-based approach which helps you and your puppy become perfect for each other. They have online sources, video lessons, a secret Facebook group, and of course, one-on-one options are available. You can find them at sithappens.us. Let 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy help you understand how your dog thinks and apply proactive training methods so you and your puppy can become perfect for each other. I did post the dog reading video last week, by the way. It's in the show notes for last episode. If they can teach dogs to read, imagine what they can do in shoe-chewing technology. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. Once again, go to sithappens.us, look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can teach you what to do, and perhaps more importantly... What not to do. Again, that's sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. One day I think we should do a patron episode of just our attempts at doing different commercials. (laughs) All the outtakes? Just all the outtakes. That would be hilarious. Immediately after I was done talking with Robin Eamon, you brought the mail in that day. And this book was in there. Oh, I don't like that cover. It's just that I don't like 
black dogs with red eyes. <laughs> I know, but, I'm, but what are the chances that yeah, the, I didn't buy this book? The author sent it to me. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this book shows up, Phantom Black Dogs, Walkers of the Liminal Way. Literally, I hang up from talking with Robin Amon. He hand me the mail. I open it up. So it arrived while he was telling the story, basically. Essentially, yeah. So we've been talking about black dogs, and then this book comes. We will be having the author of this book on the show, by the way, W.T. Watson. We'll be talking to him, I think, in October. If it's not October, it's early November. In any case, we'll be talking to him coming up. Been reading the book so far. Pretty good. I'm enjoying it. I want to thank W.T. Watson for sending the book my way. Our Curiosity of the Week ties in with the patron episode we released earlier this week. I think I put it out on Monday, which was on postmortem photography. This is a postmortem, not the kind we really talked about. Not a pretty postmortem of someone lying peacefully in the coffin. But we also talked about World War I on the patron show. So this kind of fits in with that too. This is a stereo view, human wreckage in no man's land. And it's a photo of human remains in France in World War I. It is a British soldier. I'm not that good at identifying people by their guns or the helmet. It says on the back. Oh, okay. It is a British soldier in no man's land. Wow, I don't even remember that we ever got this. Wow, that's affecting, let's say that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a powerful image. Maybe a small content warning there. <laughs> yeah, a content warning. If, if you don't uh, like seeing human remains, you might not want to. It, I mean, it's not the this. most gruesome thing. It's it's no, it's mostly skeletons. So. You know, how, and this isn't doesn't really apply to people per se. But like when you find things out in the woods, I, to me, I immediately put them into two categories: either dry or wet. <laughs> like yeah, bones, yeah. <laughs> bones and such. Yeah, this this is a dry photo, so don't worry about that aspect of it. And interestingly. You know, you're the scaredy cat as yeah. far as all things paranormal. You're the one who or doesn't, just all things. doesn't want to look at even the cover of the black dog book. Yeah, I mean, it's perfectly lovely. I just don't particularly like that imagery. Exactly. And yet, when it comes to wet or dry specimens, I cannot deal with gore or gunk stuck to bones. It's got to be nice and clean. For like me. yours needs to be dead and perfectly sun bleached, sun bleached for like 20 years before you pick it up. It helps. Yeah. It helps. But you just, you have no problem. As I, long as it's dry. Oh, okay. <laughs> if it's dried on You don't, you don't I, mind pulling gunk off as long as it's dry gunk. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's... Okay. Yeah, like I'm, I can't do paper mache because there's like a wet quality I don't like gotcha. about it. Like, See, I still with me i've seen you pull gunk off of skulls where i've just been like but it was dry (laughs) and you're just like nah no problem yeah well anyway so we all have our things i guess yeah anyway this seems to be a a fairly dry (laughs) this is a dry specimen (laughs) (laughs) it's mostly skeleton it's not gory but it is uh powerful yeah i would say it was you know i'm not trying to make light of that but yeah, it's, I feel like whenever there's something uncomfortable, I immediately have to go into humor mode to try to deal with it. So, so this stereo view, obviously, it's after World War One or during. On the back, it says it was taken a year after the soldier was killed. There still remains there in no man's land. Brutal. It almost looks a little posed, doesn't it? I don't know. It yeah, could it's be hard to say. It could be. Yeah. In any case, it's a stereo view image from. I'm guessing anywhere from 1915 to 1920, sometime in there. If you go to the show notes under this episode at strangefamiliars.com, you can click on this. It'll take you to our Etsy shop. 
where you can purchase this and other curiosities of the week. We had multiple packs of those pain pills. Pain, mm-hmm. What is it called? What are they called? Pain, pain tablets? What, what do they call it? I don't know. Rolls of old drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you call them. We had multiple packs of those. So we still have some of those. We sold, I, I don't know, a few of them from that. But if you want those, we still have a few of those left. And a few of the other curiosities of the week. Yeah, and we but, found out, we did a little research. They're actually way older than we thought, too. So yeah. They're actually um, 1800s instead of yeah. the 1900s. I mean, the absolute oldest they could be. He died in, what, 1913? So Yeah, but didn't they say they stopped making them in the late 1890s or something like that? It, did you find that? I forget. I don't know. The, the absolute oldest they could be is, like, really early 1900s. But is, they're probably from the 1800s. So we still have some of those left. While you're at our Etsy shop, you can get copies of all of my books both my nonfiction paranormal explorations and my art books. Isn't that basically a nonfiction paranormal exploration as well? My art books? Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. 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 You can get Strange Familiars t-shirts. You can get Strange Familiars stickers. I think we have Strange Familiars patches up there as well you can get. Prints? You can get prints of my artwork. All kinds of cool stuff in our Etsy shop. Our shop name is Lost Grave. That's one word on Etsy. But if you type in Strange Familiars, our stuff should come up. While you're on Etsy, make sure to check out our friends at Karmic Garden and check out Chad's shop, Ruck Rabbit Outdoors. Will we be in beautiful Columbia, Pennsylvania? Yes, we will on October. I think it's the 9th. October 9th. It's the Saturday. Saturday, yeah. Albatwitch Day, which ironically, I'll be going back on Monster Fuzz sometime soon to talk about the Albatwitch. But we have Alba Twitch Day. I'm not speaking. I'm not leading ghost tours this year. I just wanted to hang out. From a safe distance. From a safe distance, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I will be social distancing and maybe even masking. We'll see. We'll see how paranoid I am. But I should be there. And I'll have books and t-shirts and art prints and you name it. You should be able to find us pretty easily. It's by the river in Columbia. We might have our big black pop-up tent, probably have a Bigfoot banner if we have that, or I might be under the awning. We're not sure. But come on out and see us October. There'll be signage, though, right? Proper signage. There will be proper signage. Come out and see us in Columbia, Pennsylvania on October 9th. Somebody wrote Allison and said, uh, you are right about the Route 30 bridge. They said they don't have a problem with any of the other bridges, including the Norman Wood Bridge, which, come on now. (laughs) That's ridiculous. But they will get off of Route 30 and go on the 462 bridge every time, they said. There we go. So once again, listeners coming in on your side of the argument, riddle me this. (laughs) (laughs) Get stuff from our Etsy shop. If you get stuff from us at Alba Twitch Day, it helps the podcast a lot. Another way to help the podcast is to become a patron at Patreon, patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. There's all different levels of support there. At every tier of support, you get extra content. We just dropped a patron show earlier this week. I'm already preparing the October patron shows. We are doing two full-length shows of Strange Familiars for our patrons every month, exclusive. Patreon.com slash Strange Familiars. They have monthly and yearly subscription options, whatever's more convenient for you. But if you don't like subscriptions and you still want to help us, You can go to the show notes under any episode at strangefamiliars.com. Look for the paypal.me link, click that, and you can leave a one-time donation. Of course, everyone can help by sharing the show on social media and 
leaving us those nice five-star reviews wherever you're listening. Those nice five-star reviews helps get the show in front of new potential listeners, which helps the show as well. I think that's all the news I have this week, Allison. We will be back soon with more Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. You can go to stonebreath.pancamp.com if you want to hear more Stonebreath music or purchase music. Strange Familiars is on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars. We have the Strange Familiars gathering group there as well. You can join that. We are on Instagram, at strangefamiliars, one word. And we are on the web, always at www.strangefamiliars.com. In 2019, the first Strange Realities Conference took place in Nashville, Tennessee. The pandemic and turmoil the following year could not stop 2020's conference from thriving in cyberspace as a live streaming event. Now, for 2021, the third annual Strange Realities Conference will combine these worlds into a paranormal hybrid event, live in person in Nashville and streaming online. Join us in exploring just how truly strange our reality can be with an interdimensional lineup of speakers presenting unique and intellectual perspectives on magic, mysteries, and the paranormal. Featuring Alan Greenfield, Dr. J. Michael Bennett, a.k.a. Dr. Future, Tim Banal, Soraya Ascaf, Dr. Stephen Finley, Aaron Gullius, Amy Pachula, Brent Raines, Chris Ernst, Heather Mosher, Michael Hughes, Jose Herrera, Joshua Cutchin, Kiki Dombrowski, Nathan Isaac, P.D. Newman, Stephen Snyder, a.k.a. Recluse, David Metcalf, Timothy Renner, Steve Stockton, and Ren Collier. Tickets available at StrangeRealBaseConference.com. It's going to be amazing. Till a cat, a sorrow and psych in a black shirt. I shall gain to the devil's name, I kill like I'm home again.
again to a crow, oh sorry and psyche in a black throat. I shall again to the devil's name, I kill I come home again. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.